بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم ويعز سورة 32 which is Alif Lam Mim As-Sajda and we were doing Ayahs 7, 8 and 9 inshallah أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم آية ثم صواه ونفخ فيه من روحه وجعل لكم السمع والأبصار والأقدة قليلا ما تشكرون that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the process of the human creation creation of human beings that the origins of human beings is definitely in in teen the first prototype human being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created from clay as water mixed with mud and soil from the earth uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then fashioned the figure the form the body of Adam and then his his uh, His offspring was given a different code of procreation. Adam was created and then with him, his wife Hawa, they were created. They were placed in Jannah where you have immense creativity. So as their abilities are now incubated, if you like, in Jannah and they are being developed their senses and their faculties and their other physical abilities are being uh, not only developed but perfected once that perfection took place then they were sent down to earth and from earth then they were given the ability to procreate so if you take into consideration where all this happened, then you will not follow any of the uh, arguments of those who believe in the evolution of human beings on earth. Because human beings, primarily Adam and Hawa, were living in Jannah, not on earth. And your argument begins here and not there because you don't believe there exists anyway this is one of the uh, insights we find in the Quran that this is wahi as I mentioned and the Muslim must be able to use both oceans of knowledge or one is the tributary of the other one is your empirical scientific method of evaluation, assessment, cause and effect, and the other is wahi. So a Muslim is privy to both the rational, naturalist, and also to revelation. So a Muslim's advantage is that uh, he is able to form a much better opinion because he believes in both uh, forms of knowledge, that which comes through revelation, and that which comes through human experience. So a Muslim will never be at a loss 
even if he doesn't know the empirical method of evaluating facts, especially about human beings, the history of the universe, because that is all mentioned in the Quran. Right. So, a Muslim's added value is when he knows the empirical methodology also. Right. A Muslim's value is degraded if he doesn't know revelation. A Muslim's value is not degraded if he doesn't know science. In fact, again, you have to make sure that the balance is always tilted in favor of revelation, not in favor of human experience. Otherwise, you'll be making critical mistakes, and you don't want to do that. So here, in this, we have now two processes by which human beings, three processes by which human beings were created. One is the creation of Adam himself. That was through turab, teen, mud, clay, soil, whatever. Then, the creation of Hawa, which is not mentioned explicitly, except perhaps, if you want, implicitly in Surah Al-Nisa. Allah created from that soul its mate, meaning Hawa. That's the second. The third is what happens on earth. And that is through regular procreation where the egg is fertilized and so on. So you must account for all three. If you are a Muslim talking about the origins of the human being. You can't escape the discussion of how Adam was created and how Hawa was created if you are a Muslim. If you are an atheist, yes, by all means. Then that's up to you. Then you're just absurd, basically. So you're missing out on tremendous wealth of knowledge if you deny what the Quran is saying and what the Prophet ﷺ said because that is through revelation. It's a much higher source of knowledge than what human beings can acquire and accrue over three or four millenniums or even fifty millenniums of existence. So this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah number nine, then as man is procreating in this world and the egg now is fertilized by the sperm, Allah then fashions man in the mother's womb. And then Allah blows into this man who is now in the womb his life. And then he addresses man now. That once you have life in the mother's womb, you are capable of being a responsible human being. You are potentially a human being. And that's how you got your senses your eyes, your, your hearing, and also your thinking uh, faculties of afida that you can rationalize and you have emotions and all of that is contained in the word fuad and afida and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa says that the, 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 the primary purpose of creating you is so that we can address you. So now in this ayah, for those of you who know the Arabic, the first part of the ayah speaks about him, third person. Then we fashioned him and we breathe into him, his life, his ruh. And then all of a sudden it changes to the second person. Then he made for you. 
this transition is important because we must then appreciate the nuance where Allah is now saying that uh, when you don't have hearing and seeing and thinking, you will be absent. You're the third person. When you have hearing, seeing and thinking, now you're in front of us. You become an addressee. You're mukhatab, hadib. You're in front of us. And this is the nuance we find in these ayat of the Quran. But qalilam matshkurun, very little is that which you give thanks for. You do not appreciate all the blessings we gave you. The fact that we made you a human being is the greatest blessing. The fact that we formed and fashioned and designed you in your mother's womb is another blessing. And the, the fact that we gave you the ability to think, understand and acquire knowledge is an added blessing. So we gave you everything. Tools, uh, life and tools of learning. Uh, so this is something that human beings must now bow down to. As I said, the name of this surah is Sajda. Bow down to the Munaim, the one who's given you all of these gifts and blessings so that you may appreciate who you are and where you came from. So where you came from is Adam and Adam came from dirt and turab and clay and mud and etc. This is the message the Prophet ﷺ came to convey to all human beings no matter how much they understand the world and so on. وَقَالُوا أَإِذَا ضَرَلْنَا فِي الْأَرْضِ أَإِنَّا لَفِي خَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ And they say that uh, when we are lost in the earth, meaning when we die, and we are now buried in the earth, are we then going to be in a new creation? بَلْ هُمْ بِلِقَاءِ رَبِّهِمْ كَافِرُونَ The truth is that uh, they deny meeting their Lord. So why do people deny that they will be resurrected? Because they don't believe they have a Lord. Number one. Number two, if they do believe that they have a Lord, they don't believe they'll meet Him. Because it's beyond their imagination, beyond their capabilities and so on. Or number three, even if they do meet their Lord, they'll be better off. Because a sign of prosperity and providence in this world uh, means that there will be providence in the other world. So they gauge their success in this world and they apply it to success in the other world. Uh, different levels of denial. And this is how the Quran addresses people. That when we are lost and we don't have any process by which we understand resurrection. So the word dolalna, be misguided. That when we are left misguided in the earth, meaning when we are mere bones and we are decomposed and there's no element of thinking and seeing and observing and listening, etc., we'll be lost. So if we are in that state, then how come we'll be resurrected? We will be a new state of existence? They will not believe because they don't want to. So here now, the Quran is saying, okay, as you are trying to understand the origins of man, you must also understand the destination of man. If you get caught up in the origins of man and spend 50 years trying to study fossils and everything else, and you forget that you're going to die. 
Then no one's going to no one's going to go there and study you. Who's going to be there and study you when you die? No one. It'll just be you. So the Quran says, let's make sure that you have a holistic understanding of you, a comprehensive understanding of you and your world, that you came from the earth, and where are you going back? To the earth. And does that make more sense? You go back to your origins? Yeah. Number one. Number two is that, yes, you, you may want to think about your origins, but you must also think about your destination. What's your final destination? All of this study and research, how will it help you after you die? It will help you only if you know that you're going to meet your Lord. And your Lord doesn't want you to waste so much time understanding your origins. Your Lord wants you to focus on your destination. Or, if you rephrase it, you would say that your original residence is where? Jannah. So you should go back to your original destination, which is Jannah. And think about that life also as you are present here in this life. And that's why death now becomes inevitable to mention. قُلْ يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ مَلَكُ الْمَوْتِ الَّذِي وُكِّلَ بِكُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ تُرْيَعُونَ The truth is, say, O Muhammad announced to them that the angel of death will deal with you and take you comprehensively. The one who is assigned to you. The one entrusted to you. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is given us this information, this knowledge, that in the mother's womb there was you. In the form of the fetus. The ruh came in, into your mother's womb, and when you were delivered, you came into this world and you are alive. When you want to leave this world, an angel who is assigned to you will come and take your ruh away. Right. So the angel comes and brings your ruh into the mother's womb, which we discussed last week. And the angel will come and take your ruh away as you enter the womb of your grave. So this is nidam, this is a system. And we talk about the nidam, the system of the amr, the command and the order in the previous ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ الْأَرْضِ Ayah number five. That he manages and governs and regulates the command that comes down from the heavens to the earth. And this is done through an impenetrable, invincible system in the system of the Malakut, system of the angels, where they are assigned to do what Allah wants them to do. Now, scientifically, you will say death comes when there is brain death or you have heart failure or whatever, the definition of, clinical definition of uh, your, your, your physical death. That's one thing. Allah is saying, look, there's another component here that outside of your empirical scientific evaluation of death, there's another element that Wahi brings to the table, which you can't bring to the table. Right? 
That's why Allah says, Qul, tell them, inform them, that death comes when? When the Malakul Maut takes you. Right? You, you can't have that discussion if you didn't have Wahi. So now, how does the human being behave when it comes to death? If you see signs of death upon someone, then the Muslim code is that you prepare him to leave the world. And you gently say, La ilaha illallah, you prompt him to say the kalima as he's leaving the world. You don't panic and freak out, oh my God. Yeah, everybody's going. (laughs) At this moment, this person is going. Make sure you know how to send him off. You must learn that adab first before you start to poke pins and needles into his brain, into his heart, and have all these monitors and machines around him and wired and, you know, he's wired up. So Allah, through the Prophet is showing human beings, look, this is a nidam, this is a system. Human beings, they're, they're conceived in the womb. They're given life in the womb, the ruh comes in, they're delivered, they live this life, and when they die, it is the angel of death who is in control. Totally control. Tawafi. Totally comprehensive. That's what the word means. Somebody who's totally in control is the angel of death, not you. Neither the hospital, nor the physician, nor the family. The patient definitely is not in control of anything. So you must make sajda when someone dies to Allah's will. Can you prolong his life? Within reason. Sure. We're not talking about whether it's ethically right or wrong. Yes. You must do everything to make sure the man stays alive. That is our ethic. Make sure nobody dies uh, in a hurry. Okay, we're not there to assist anyone's death or assist suicide. We don't believe in that. Why? Because it is the angel of death whose duty it is to take the life. It's not our. It's not our duty to make sure he dies this way or that. that that's his duty. He is assigned to you at the time of death. This is his responsibility, not yours. Now, within reason, within the framework of you know, Islamic bioethics, whatever you can do, yes, you can do. You can administer medicine. IV, whatever machines, if you want, within reason, but you must still be alert and aware of the fact that when the angel of death decides that this man's time's come, it will come. So now you have to appropriate what you know through science and medicine with what you now know through wahi. No Muslim can afford to deny wahi, neither at the time of conception, time of birth, and time of death. Why? Because then it is only to your Lord that you're returning. You're not going back anywhere except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the point of sajda. That when you are in front of Allah, you are the closest to Allah in this world, physically and intellectually and spiritually. So here, the point is that uh, human beings 
are created by Allah subhanahu ta'ala and their creation is perfected by Allah subhanahu ta'ala and the process by which they are created and the process by which they are given death is all in the hands of another sister, another species, another creation of Allah that is the angels and that's what they do. In this world you have religion. So from the time you are of age, seven or ten or whatever, uh, or fifteen, until you die, you have this time to do whatever it takes to prepare yourself for the other world, to go into the other world. But you do that by managing whatever you need to do in the dunya as far as your livelihood, and your family and everything else. So your time is short and you should not waste that time trying to speculate about your origins. No. You spend your time thinking about your destination. If you think about your destination, that's proactive and you're going to move forward and you will not be procrastinating. You won't be moving backwards. You will be progressive because you're progressing towards Jannah. You're not retrogressing towards your origins. And that's done. Allah has already done that for you as a favor, as a ni'mah. So that is the point of these ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving human beings this knowledge and information that if you use both revelation and your skill, uh, your understanding of how this world works, you will meet Allah in a better state than if you don't use and employ both sets of knowledge and so on. وَلَوْ تَرَائِذِ الْمُجْرِمُونَ نَاكِسُوا رُؤُوسِهِمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ رَبَّنَا بَصَرْنَا وَسَمِعْنَا فَرْجِعْنَا نَعْمَلْ صَالِحًا إِنَّا مُوْقِنُونَ And if you were to see, O Muhammad وسلم, the time when the criminals will be lowering their heads in front of their Lord, meaning they didn't lower their heads in sajda, in this world, on the Day of Judgment, they will be lowering their heads out of humiliation, out of distress, uh, out of fear. So if you don't do sajda here, you'll be forced to make sajda there. There, if you make sajda that way, you are mujrim, you are a criminal, in front of your Lord, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You did not use your faculties the way you should have. And that is what people will say. Oh our Lord, Rabbana, abasarna wa sami'ana. Now we see and now we hear. Now we see and now we hear. We see that there is a day of judgment. We see you in front of us. We see Jahannam. We see everything that you have told us is going to be here. So now, send us back. Send us back. No going back. If you send us back, na'mal salihan. We will then do good. We'll behave. We'll do everything that needs to be done. Inna muqinu. Now we are sure. Now we have certainty. Now our knowledge has come to terms with the reality. But that is too late because that world is not a place for testing. This world is a place for testing. You take the test here, not there. That world is a place for reward and compensation and appropriation of whatever Allah wants to give and meet out to people. Now it's too late. You cannot re-enter the room of examination. You failed. 
So here Allah is, is addressing this phenomenon that human beings have eyesight and they have the ability to hear and to listen and through that they should be able to procure yaqeen yaqeen meaning knowledge of certainty and that they will only do through sajda you must submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge and then to his will then you'll have certainty but if you don't and you fail God forbid Allah protects all time will come when you will succumb to Allah's will unwillingly and you will lower your heads out of shame humiliation but then it's too late وَلَوْ شِئْنَا لَآتِيْنَا كُلَّ نَفْسٍ هُدَاهَا وَلَاكِنْ حَقَّ الْقَوْلُ مِنِّي لَأَمْلَأَنَّ جَهَنَّمَ مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ Again now to total submission to Allah Taala's will and his plan okay, we read this ayah if you read this ayah in the context of trying to discuss destiny, you will get lost. Right? Read this ayah in the context of the divine design and plan for whatever he has created through his absolute eternal prerogatives. If you bring in human prerogatives into this ayah, you will fail and you will be very distressed when you read this ayah. This is caution. <laughs> this is how you're going to read this ayah. Had we wanted to, we could have given every soul its guidance. Had we wanted to. But the truth is, what happened is that the, the, the statement, my decree, al minni, the decree from my side, my decree, uh, is now materialized and realized. And what is that decree? That I will fill Jahannam with jinn and ins, with the jinn kind and the mankind all together collectively. Now, well, it is spine chilling, which it should be, and it should um, inject in us a fear that is unparalleled. Right? That's the point of the ayah. If it injects in you disbelief, and more than that, rebellion, rejection, then there's something wrong with you. In the Quran is a shifa. It's a cure for your hearts and for your mind, for your intellect, and for your opinions and world view. It is not there so that you can argue against God. Right. Now, as I said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the absolute prerogative to do what he wants to when he wants to. That's why we worship him. He is eternal and he is invincible. That's our khidah. Number one. Number two, is there a place called Jahannam? As Muslims, we have to believe there's a place called Jahannam. Otherwise, we're not Muslim. Is there a place? And if that place exists, then does it exist so that uh, it is inhabited? Or is it empty space? It exists because it has to be inhabited, right? No space uh, exists except is inhabited by something. No? Rasulullah sallallahu when he went for Miraj, after his Isra, he said, 
I didn't find any space in the heavens where it was not inhabited by angels making dua, dhikr, sajda, ruku. That's knowledge from wahi. Knowledge from science will tell you is empty space. You see the difference? So we don't believe that uh, the space is inhabited. We don't see who lives there because we don't have the means or the tools by which we can observe. Now that doesn't mean to say that no one lives there. It's uninhabited. That's why the word jinnah here is very intriguing. Jinnah means something that is hidden. They're hidden from our eyes, the jinn. We don't see them. We don't see them, but they exist. Is that true? They they really exist. Now, if we go with this premise that science has told us so far that space is empty outside the earth, we will say that's knowledge that comes from science. Sense, perception, empirical methods of data, acquiring, collecting, gathering, analyzing, whatever. We as Muslims have access to another source of knowledge, which is called Wahi, that came to the Prophet ﷺ in the Qur'an and through the Sunnah. Both the Qur'an and Sunnah tell us that space is not uninhabited. And that is what Rasulullah saw on the night of, uh, after the night of Isra, when he went from Miraj in the skies and the heavens. He said, I didn't find an empty space there. He didn't see it. We've never been there, but he saw it. He was there and he saw it. So now what do we do? We believe. Why do we believe? Because it's wahi. There's no reason for us not to believe simply because some other method tells us it doesn't exist. Now if we were, we were to go with that, approach, then science would be dead totally. He would not have knew what inventions and you wouldn't have new studies and new theories that emerge every day. And you wouldn't have theories that change every day. Meaning your, your, your ability to inquire and to be inquisitive is what drives you in your quest to learn more, even scientifically. Is it not? So if, if, if you close that door of inquiry through any method, then you've closed the door of knowledge. Now, if a place called Jahannam does exist, then it will be inhabited. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this place called Jahannam will be inhabited. But who will be there? Both the jinn kind and mankind. Right? As well, Allah says that uh, he will ruthlessly fill up the space of Jahannam. So we say, where does he say that? He said he will fill up Jahannam. Where does he say that it's going to be so many millions or billions? Did he say that? No? If this room is smaller than the whole building, and someone says, we need to fill up this room, and then someone says, we need to fill up the whole building. Can you say that when people are the people who fill up this room will be much more than others who are not in this room. No. 
So, it is quite plausible, logically, outside of Wahi, we're not going to Wahi yet, I'll tell you what Wahi says, outside of Wahi, that the inhabitants of Jahannam will be few, and by that standard, Jahannam will be filled. So if Jahannam is, is, is filled with few, then this eye is true. Right? Instead of saying there'll be uh, 50 million as a number, there'll be 50 as a number. Then the statement is still true. That has he not filled up the space that is called Jahannam? Yes. Ajma'in collective altogether. All the jinn, all the ins, God forbid, Allah protects all from that, uh, ever. That, uh, you know, that space will be filled by the jinn and the ins collectively together. And then Allah will fulfill his promise. Now, what you have already assumed wrongly, incorrectly, is that oh, there's only millions and billions of people in Jahannam. Where does the ayah say that? The ayah doesn't say that. Read the ayah first before you assume what you want to assume because you, you've already decided you're going to debate with God on the issue. Right. You're not reading the ayah through submission, through sajda, which is what the surah is saying. You, you come to terms with who Allah is Allah has absolute prerogative and he has created a place called Jahannam and that Jahannam will be filled with human beings and jinn. So now, in the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, we have so many ahadith that tell us that people will be brought out of Jahannam in hordes. They'll be removed from them. Removed, removed, one after another. Hordes and hordes of people through the shafa'ah intercession of the Prophet ﷺ will be removed from Jahannam and they'll be placed in Jannah. Allah's Fadl. And then, after the last person now enters, uh, the last person that the Prophet delivers from Jahannam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, through his hand, uh, will scoop up people and then place them into Jannah because he will want to, through his Fadl. Now, how huge and large is Allah's hand, Mubarak? And then, when those people who are not destined to leave Jahannam are left there, Allah will place His foot into Jahannam and Jahannam will be constricted and squeezed to the point where no one else can enter. Right? That makes perfect sense. No? So reading the ayah through the ayah itself, number one, without making any false conclusions before you understand the ayah. The problem is we, we, we always jump the gun. We're quick off the mark to debate with God and to dismiss him as being something that's tyrannical and someone who's unjust. Don't do that. Evaluate the ayah for what it is. Read the ayah and then read the ayah as a cold observer. This is the truth. So now, now through the hadith, you get the tafsir of the ayah. Through the sunnah, you get the tafsir of the ayah. So you have to bring both now the Quran and sunnah together to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. So it seems that, and Allah knows best, that the number of inhabitants in Jahannam will be few, but then Jahannam will be filled because it will be constricted. It will be reduced in size. And that is the fadl of Allah. That Allah will show also 
on that day so that uh, we believe Allah can do what He wants to. So now, uh, um, anyone who has not done any atom of good or has doesn't have any atom of iman, okay, will be left there. Okay? Now that is God's prerogative. They never believed and they were evil innately and that's the way it is. So, uh, on the back of the, first, the previous ayah, where those who are mujrimun, criminals, will say, inna muqinun. We are now certain. On the back of that statement, Allah is saying, that they will be certain on the day of judgment, and you, you must be certain of this fact also here in this dunya. You must have the same yaqeen they will have. And witness this ayah, that Allah will do this on the day of judgment where there is Jahannam, and Jahannam will be filled with the jinn kind and mankind. But the tafsir comes from the hadith of the Prophet فَذُوقُوا بِمَا نَسِيتُمْ لِقَاءَ يُمِكُمْ هَذَا إِنَّا نَسِيْنَاكُمْ وَذُوقُوا الْعَذَابَ بِمَا خُونَ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ So now Allah will say, or the angel will say, now taste what it is you have forgotten about your meeting today. بِقَاءَ يُمِكُمْ هَذَا Your meeting of this here day. إِنَّا نَسِيْنَاكُمْ We now have forgotten you. Meaning our rahmah will not come to you. Now taste the punishment of eternity. Because of your actions, because of what you have done. Meaning it is not God who is going to be unjust towards you. You have already proven you are unjust towards yourselves. In the dunya by behaving this way. And being evil. And denying rejecting the truth. And denying rejecting the truth. Uh, of others and uh, stopping people from believing in the truth. This is all a result of what you have done and what you have earned. Not of what God has done. He does not punish people if no crime or no sin has been committed. This is the way we see now the Quran expounding upon the ultimate reason for revelation, that is to submit to the will of Allah, to make sajda. Right. We'll stop here. We have a few things to, inshallah, do today. Here at Dar al-Qasim, so we will stop here. We make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gives us all Jannah, and saves us and protects us from Jahannam, and gives us the tawfiq to do what brings us closer to Allah and brings us closer to Jannah with ease and comfort and save us and protect us in this world and save us and protect us in the other world also. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khilqi Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabihi 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 wa alihi wa sahab